seat. Good morning, everyone. I'm so excited about this message that we have today from God's Word. I'm pumped up for it. I'm ready. We are going to do announcements. I said, let's wait. We'll do it later. I want to preach now. So <laughs> hopefully, I think you're probably cool with that. I am. Uh, so let's, let's get into this. Uh, we are talking about Ephesians 5, 15 to 21. And what's kind of cool is the whole title of it is Make the Most of Every Opportunity. Make the Most of Every Opportunity. So that's why, hey, let's just get up here and do this now. Uh, so we're going to make the most of this opportunity that we have to, to hear from God's Word. So it's in Ephesians 5, 15 to 21. If you have a Bible, turn there, look at it on your phones. There's a Bible on the, the chair, right, chair rack right in front of you, and uh, we're going to get into this. Okay, Ephesians 5, 15 to 21. Therefore, be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time, because the days are evil. So then do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation. But be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, to God, even the Father, and be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. All right, so this is it. This is what we're called to do. We have to make the most of every opportunity. And, and the whole deal, the whole sort of the premise of that is that these days are evil, so we have to then make the most of the opportunity. And you look back to the time of, of where this was written to the people of Ephesus, and in that time, like we, you know, we can easily understand that the days are evil with all the crazy stuff that was happening. We've talked about that a lot in the culture, the worship of these, these false gods, that Greco-Roman culture, uh, the way that they were part of all these wild practices with uh, sex slaves, you know, throughout the city. And, you know, then we think about our day today, and we, we have to then recognize that, yes, the days are evil. And so we have to make the most of our time, the most of every opportunity that we are given. And, and we recognize that, you know, as the world is changing, as the world is, you know, we feel becoming, you know, more of the days are evil, there's a part of me, and like, a part of me grieves that, but there's a part of me that says, you know what? We are actually going to have to matter. We're going to have to stand out in the midst of our culture as believers, as followers of Jesus, and, and make a difference. We're going to stand out more because of that. We aren't just safe in our culture that looks like us without God. We have to look different because we have God. So there's a part of that that I'm excited about, and I hope that, that you are too, and that you're ready, that we have to make the most of the opportunity. And then what this passage then says is, be careful then how you walk. And in your notes, uh, hopefully you got the, the, the bulletin, it's got the outline, it's got notes in there. It's got definitely some extra stuff in there I want you to be able to, to see today. So you can look at that. It talks about uh, the Greek and what that word means where it says walk. It really means how you would conduct your life, how you live, how you use this life that you've been given. And even when we go back to the beginning of this series uh, that we've been doing since Easter, Ephesians 4.1, that says walk in a manner worthy of 
of the calling to which you've been called, right? That you are to walk worthy, and then here it's saying walk wise. And so we want to be men and women who are wise about how we use this life and how we use our time and we make the most of the opportunities that we are given. And so then what, what we have here in this book of Ephesians, he, he gives us some uh, kind of contrast, these couplets that are like, hey, don't do this, but maybe do this instead. Well, not maybe. It says don't do this, but do that. Don't do this, but do that. I've got something better for you of how you can actually do it. How you can make the most of every opportunity to make an impact in the world. And the first comes out of this verse that says, So then, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Don't be foolish, but understand God's will. Okay, so just plain and simple. Don't be foolish, understand God's will. We, we got a sense that it is wisdom rather than foolishness, to make the most of our time. But then here, then it also says, it would be foolishness to misunderstand the will of God. And what I want to say is that it's foolishness to misunderstand God's will as daily personal guidance for me. How I live my life today is that being the ultimate thing of God's will. And, and here's what I, what I mean by that. Even in your notes, you can do some further study on, in the Proverbs of wisdom versus folly. And you can look up that. But I do think that we misunderstand God's will as that sense of, okay, I got to find out God's will for me. And so that means I got to find out, you know, what job am I supposed to do? Where do I go to school? Who am I supposed to marry? You know, which exit should I take off the freeway? I don't know, wherever it gets. But, you know, we have to consider, okay, yes, there's an aspect of, of our daily decisions that we want God to be involved in. But here's where I think it becomes foolishness. It becomes foolishness when we think about God's will as being this, that, that, we have our stories that we're living and we invite God to be part of our story, right? So I'm living out this story. I'm living out my life. And I say, God, please come and make an impact in my life in some way so that I can be better, even if I can be better for you, God. Because the way that we should be thinking about it is this. It's that, God, I want to know your story and what you're trying to accomplish in this world. And I want to enter into your story. Okay, so instead of you thinking God's going to come into your life and, and affect how you do things, why don't you enter into what God's will and God's mission is for the world? And then that way, you know, no matter what you're doing, you're engaging in the will of God. And so, like, it's foolishness to think that all of your daily de decisions this day today is in that sense, of like, I got to make sure I figure out the will of God for all of that. There's something to that. We want to follow along with what God's word would say for our life, but that is even still engaging in God's story. I don't know, hopefully you kind of understand the difference of what I'm talking about here. And, and within that, we have to then know what is the will of God, right? So what is the will of God? I got a few verses that I want to read to you that I love. This is to me, it's incredible to be able to see how clear these verses are. If you want to know what the will of God is, and these are listed, it's not going to be on the screen, but they're there in your, uh, in your outlines. The first one is John 6, 40. You want to know what the will of God is. I want to know what God's will is for my life. Like, Lord, help me. How do I know your will and how do I accomplish it? It's read this verse, John 6, 40. The words of Jesus while he was here in the flesh on this earth, and he says... For this is the will of my Father, 
Again, I love these parts of the Bible that are really clear, right? For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who beholds the Son and believes in him will have eternal life. So he's speaking about himself. He is the Son of God. Everyone who sees Jesus and believes in him. That is what the will of God is, that everyone would see Jesus and believe in him and then be taken up to be with him on the last day. That's the will of God, that everyone would know him, that people would see Jesus and believe in him. Another way I think that helps me understand the will of God is the Lord's Prayer. And that's just a few pages back in your Bible, Matthew 6, 9. I'm just going to read a portion of it. It says this. Again, Jesus saying these words. While he was here in the flesh, he says, Pray then in this way. Our Father who's in heaven, hallowed be your name, or holy is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That I would say that we can understand God's will in being that his kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. That however the, the perfection, the glorifiedness of our bodies and this world that we live in and all of the, the lion will lay down by the lamb and no more crying or pain and being with Jesus, all of that that would come with his kingdom being fully fulfilled, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. May my life be about bringing that about now as much as my life possibly can do that, Right? So I want to live that out if I want to be following God's will. And then one last one that's just kind of cool that it's even in the book of Ephesians is Ephesians 1. And uh, Ephesians 1, 5 says this, He predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself according to the kind intention of his will. So his will has a kind intention that he'll be bringing us to himself, to the praise of the glory of his grace, which he freely bestowed on us in the beloved through Jesus. In him, Jesus, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses or our sins, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished on us. In all wisdom and insight, he made known to us the mystery of his will. So we can see in these few verses, right, that he's unveiling to us what is the will of God. Well, it is his big, gracious, saving plan for for us, right, for people. That he would make himself known, that Jesus would be known to us, that we would believe in him. That we would be his sons and daughters adopted into his family. His redemptive work that he has done on the cross, and through his resurrection, and that we can see in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, all of that, the gospel, that is his will. And so we engage with that, and what we want to do then is make the most of every opportunity that we have to do that will, okay? That's what we're trying to do here. We make the most of every opportunity to make Jesus be seen and for people to believe in him. It's simple, right? And we got to understand that. We have to understand that part of what his will is to be able to make the most of every opportunity and stop thinking that it's about what college I'm going to attend next year. It's not, okay? You can accomplish his will at whatever college you go to. It doesn't matter. It matters about your life, what decisions you make, but that's not the whole point of God's big picture will. All right, I'm done with that part. Let's move on. So then the next part that we're going to do is, is the next verse in this passage where it says this. It says, Do not get drunk with wine, 
For that is dissipation. That word dissipation, wildness, debauchery, that kind of stuff, okay? Uh, So don't get drunk with wine, for that's dissipation. But be filled with the Spirit. So let's talk about this verse. Basically what I'm saying is, don't be filled with anything other than the Holy Spirit of God. And so we are supposed to use our time wisely. We are supposed to, to understand God's will and not be foolish in that. And that's also part of that is why we don't get drunk. The stakes are too high, okay? That we want to live our life according to the way that God would be filling us, not the way that maybe the world would be filling us. And I want us to, to sort of like understand it in this way. And I want us to understand this verse too, that it does not say don't drink. It does not say that at all. What it's talking about is don't get drunk because what it's comparing this to It's comparing this to something crazy, okay? That when we consider Ephesus of the time, there's this whole thing of worship of Dionysus, all right? Dionysus, the god of wine, the god of orgies, wild parties, this sort of thing, okay? So especially we would know of Dionysus as the god of wine. Now, something that they would do during this time, uh, or part of these symposium and other other times of kind of like worship of Dionysus, essentially, is they would take these bowls of wine and consume them. And they would drink so much of this wine that they'd have even these other bowls that they'd vomit into so they could keep drinking more and more because what they believed they were doing as they drank that wine and became drunk is they were inviting the spirit of Dionysus to fill them so they could comply more with his will. How's that? (laughs) Uh... This is a whole, you know, in my mind, this is demonic worship. This is demonic filling. This is inviting that into your life. And that is what was going on even, you know, in this, this area throughout Asia Minor. It's just part of this whole Greco-Roman culture of the worship of Dionysus. And then you've got Paul saying, hey, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. You're being filled and you're being affected by, yes, by, by wine and the drunkenness that comes, like everything that sort of comes with drunkenness, that you would be, you know, emboldened, that you would have, you'd say things that you wouldn't normally say, that you would have some sort of, sort of courage, right, liquid courage, like all that kind of a thing, but also this, this coming in of being affected by Dionysus. And so then Paul's saying, hey, do you know what the Holy Spirit does? We read about in the book of Acts and other places. John says that, that uh, uh, you will be, as you are filled with the Spirit, you will be emboldened. You will have words to say that you wouldn't have known otherwise. And that you will have, you know, that, that sort of courage that comes in all of that. And uh, so it's kind of interesting, right? And it says, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. That in the same way that you would be affected, uh, your behavior would be affected in negative ways by alcohol, your behavior would be affected in positive ways by the filling of the Holy Spirit in your life. And so now I want us to understand a little bit more about what does this mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And so i got to grab something real quick to help me. Because there's this whole thing of being indwelled with the Holy Spirit versus being filled with with the Holy Spirit. And so I've just got a little bit of a illustration here to help us understand what this means. You are the milk, okay? Milk is being poured into the glass. You are the milk. You're probably going to find something wrong with this illustration and just get over it. It's going to work mostly, okay? Uh, (coughs) uh, Here we go. You are the milk. 
at the moment that you are saved, okay, at that moment that you've confessed Jesus as Lord, you believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, or it says you will be saved, that's your point of conversion. At that point of conversion, you are filled, or you are indwelled, sorry, you are indwelled with the Holy Spirit. This is also called uh, spiritual baptism, okay? You are filled with the Holy Spirit at this point. The, I keep messing up my words. My goodness. You are indwelled with the Holy Spirit. There's a couple passages that I want to read to you too. Ephesians 1.13 says, Having also believed, you were sealed, okay? You were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise. I got to tell you, it's mildly challenging to do this and read the verse. 1 Corinthians 12.13 says, For by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of one Spirit. It's again even interesting there, using this word drink of one Spirit. You know, they called the the disciples at Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit came and, and indwelled them and filled them, they called them drunk. Yeah, so again, you've had an interesting juxtaposition here between drunkenness and the filling of the Holy Spirit. So you can see that you've been indwelled. I don't know how well you can see that, right? You've been indwelled, but it's in there, but it's maybe not like really totally affecting the flavor. I have a little bit of this. It just tastes like milk still, right? Now, so what we want to say is the difference between being indwelled and being filled, the, the, the chocolate as being the Holy Spirit, is that the filling is something that happens many times, okay? Indwelling happens once at salvation. Filling happens many times. And in a way, it's kind of like being stirred up, okay? In a way, it is like where something happens through the Holy Spirit's work himself uh, or in our lives where then... He stirred up. So before, was in there, maybe felt stagnant somehow, wasn't affecting all of your life, but you're saved. He's in you, but now you've been stirred up. And so now you've got great flavor. Mm. You make a, make a difference in this world. <laughs> uh, it tastes good. I'm probably going to spill this. Uh, let's see. Okay. So all that to say is that I want to show you a little bit here, and this is something I'm really excited about, about this, something I feel like um, was, oh man, I got chocolate sauce all over my Bible. Uh, okay. <laughs> uh, and so, so here's, what, here's what I'm excited to show you, because I feel like a lot of times people will say, hey, you're supposed to be filled with the Spirit, right? Or you will be filled with the Spirit many times. And then you say, what does that mean and, and what do I do? Like, how does that look? And they'll say, no, you don't do anything. The Holy Spirit does the work. And then this is where I go in a super logical way. I go, what do you mean? <laughs> because I go, what am I supposed to do? What do you mean I don't do anything and the Spirit does the work? Do I, do I need to read my Bible and pray? No, no, you don't do anything. You just let the Spirit do the work. So do I just sit and watch TV? You know, am I, and then like the Spirit does the work and I just kind of hang out, watch TV. The Spirit does the work, Right? And they say, no, 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 you don't watch TV. You, you know, like, well, wait, if I stopped watching TV, wouldn't that be doing something? I've stopped watching TV, you know? And, and, and so how does that sort of philosophically, how does that play out? And, and it, I get really confused and I would read things and I would read these commentaries and these articles and listen to stuff. And I feel like what the, what the authors and the preachers would do is they sit there and they talk around and around and around. They'll say who the Holy Spirit is, what the Holy Spirit does, the impact the Holy Spirit makes in our life. 
but I never know. I mean, things would be called, how do I be filled with the Holy Spirit, you know? And it says nothing over the course of three pages. And these are the kind of things where I would get frustrated, and I'm trying to figure this out a little bit more. And that's where, uh, as I looked at this passage, and as I began to understand what the rest of this verse means, this is what I think happens, okay? Is that there are four results of being filled with the Spirit, which are also ways to be filled with the Holy Spirit, okay? And these are listed in these next few verses, and here they are. We're going to go through them in detail. So here's the chart. This is also in your outline, if you can't see it that well. It's in your outline on the back, and you've got the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, okay? Now, so I, like, actually came up with this, so I asked, like, several people on kind of a heresy check, and so, you know, hey, let's just, like, work through this, all right? Uh, (laughs) But this is the indwelling. Once at salvation, we are indwelled with the Holy Spirit, then we know that something, there's something called filling that happens many times. Now, I would say when we are indwelled with the Holy Spirit, kind of like Pentecost, they were indwelled and filled, right? The Holy Spirit's work is, is filling our life, and we're, we, we have all that work. And that filling then results in what the rest of this verse says. Now, there's some geeky stuff about the grammar and how they're participles and the way that these words flow from the command of being filled with the Spirit. And the way that works is that it shows that they are results or benefits or things given by the Holy Spirit. They flow out of being filled with the Holy Spirit. They are not just like more commands of stuff to do, okay? So we're filled with the Spirit. That results then in speaking to one another in Psalms hymns, and spiritual songs. We're going to talk more about what in the world does that mean, because that sounds super weird if you think about it. And then it goes, also results in singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord. Okay, it results in that, that we have this passionate singing that also results in giving thanks. So we give thanks to God always in all things. And then it also results in submitting, be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. And so there's this sense, if it's out of this fear of Christ, which is reverence and respect and awe, right? We have that kind of fear of Jesus that, that we submit then. That's, the kind of, that's a submissive attitude to be in fear of him. So submitting to Christ, and then out of that, we submit to one another. It's this posture of submission to one another. How we treat others is to put them above ourselves, no matter who we are. Now here's my, my contention, okay, is that then— So filling results in these things happening, but then I think also doing these things stirs up the filling of the Holy Spirit, okay? Doing these things is kind of that act of stirring up the filling of the Holy Spirit in our lives, and this works like a cycle, okay? You see what I'm saying with that? That if we don't know what to do, if you're confused and you don't know what to do, and I would just say, even if you are worried about like, I'm going to do this out of my own power and all that, that's a, I mean, you should come humbly and you should come with a fear of thinking that you can do this yourself. Don't come with that kind of spirit, but come into it saying, I don't know what to do, so what I'm going to do is what God tells me to do, okay? I'm going to do these things that are results. I'm going to do these things because I believe that as I do that, the Holy Spirit's going to be working in my life. And then even through that, you will see the fruit of the Spirit as well. As we speak good words to each other and sing to the Lord and all that, give thanks and submit, we see love, we see joy, we see peace, patience, kindness, goodness, 
faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, all of that coming out of these sorts of actions. And so that one fruit of the Spirit that's described in all those several ways is on display in our lives. Okay? So here's what I'm saying. How do I be filled with the Spirit? This is what I think the answer is. Okay? This is what I think actually is the answer to all of this confusion about it, is live this out. So let's talk through then what in the world do these things mean? Because some of them are weird, including especially this one. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. It does not say sing to God. It says speak to one another. Do you get that? Like, do you get how that's strange? So, you know, I was thinking about this, and, you know, even in your notes, you can see it talks some about these different ways of describing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. I want you to look at that. There's even a website that gets way more into some of the, really what that looks like that I've referenced in those notes that you can look at if you want to do more study. Psalms are psalms. Hymns are some of these old, like we've listed the references. Some of these old hymns are these songs to sing out to God that have this rich truth within them. They're not the songs that were written 200 years ago, you know, that, that you like and you sing in the more traditional services more often. You know, it isn't, that's, not, that's not what they're talking about here in this passage, okay? This was written, you know, 1,800 years before that, okay? So let's just make sure that we don't use this as a passage to say, you should sing hymns in church. You know, that's not what it's talking about, whether you should or not. Okay, and so then spiritual songs are these words of praise to others for what God has done, but we kind of think of them as, as originals. They're original songs given to you by the Spirit of God of words to speak to someone in your life. And so then, you know, you think about doing this, right? Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. And so just imagine if this was, you know, put this into like a, a, a real life situation and you just come up and you're like, the sun comes up. It's a new day dawning. It's time to sing your song again. Whatever may pass and whatever lies before me, let me be singing when the evening comes. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. Oh, 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 my soul. (laughs) Right? With everything, with everything, I will shout forth your glory. Whoa, oh, 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 whoa, oh, oh. Whoa, oh, oh. <laughs> right? Like, there's like a weirdness to that. But what, what I, and we can have fun with that. But what I want to get into is like something, I saw an example of this actually, of someone doing this well on Facebook this week, uh, of all places, right? And on Facebook this week, a member of our church, Bethany Andrade, just put up the words, yeah, just put up the words to this hymn. And it said this, To God be the glory, great things he hath done. So loved he the world that he gave us his son, who yielded his life an atonement for sin and opened the life gate that all may go in. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Let the earth hear his voice. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Let the people rejoice. O come to the Father through Jesus the Son and give him the glory, great things he hath done. She just put that up on her Facebook page and people got to read it and were encouraged and blessed, right? She spoke to people beautiful words of songs that we've been given, you know. So I just thought that was an awesome example of a way to do that without being super weird. Um, (laughs) So uh, it's pretty cool. Uh, So that's so that's uh, one way that we can do this. That's one way that we have here. The second thing that was listed was singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord. Singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord that we would sing out. 
These songs that we've been given are songs that we would even come up with. And we sing them out with our heart to God. It's not sitting passively in the room and watching words go across the screen and, and looking at a band and listening as they play songs and you don't engage at all. No, it says singing with your heart to the Lord with passion that you are so moved by what God has done that you would sing these songs out to him in, in praise and you make melody. I know even like something I, I love to do is like when I'm out on a hike by myself and that's a great way for me to spend like solo time with God is that sometimes I'll just start singing. I'll sing out loud and you know, and then someone comes around a blind corner, and I'm like, oh, hey, how's it going? <laughs> you know, and, uh, but I'm just singing out these worship songs to God, because I just love to be able to sing that out of my heart as a, even as a prayer, as a worship of Him. And so that's a result of being filled with the Spirit, that we would sing out in that kind of a way. And then we would also not just sing, but we would give thanks. Now, this whole giving thanks part this is incredible if you look at in the verse, it says, always give thanks for all things in the name of Jesus to God. Always give thanks for all things. It does not say sometimes give thanks for the good things that happen in your life. No, it says always, always, no matter what, you are not hashtag blessed when good things happen in your life. You are hashtag blessed always because of God's gracious saving plan, his redemptive work, the will of God. And so as we understand the will of God and what that really is, we know that we're always hashtag blessed, not when we take a picture of a pretty sunset. And so that's why we have to have that proper understanding of the will of God. And so we always, even when life is terrible, we always give thanks in all things. And so that's an expression, but that is a work of the Holy Spirit's filling in our life because that's hard to do. It's hard to always give thanks in all things as we express that to God. So that's another thing, though, that we can do. And then finally, it is this, this submitting to one another in the fear of Christ, that we submit to one another, okay? We submit to each other. We have this fear of Christ, this reverence for him that we would submit to him. And then out of that, we have a posture of submission to each other. And it is a posture of submission to not just men, okay? It is a posture of submission to not just husbands. It is a posture of submission to one another. This says submit to one another. And this, interestingly enough, is a hinge verse going from this portion of the scripture into what's called the household code, which we'll do for the next few weeks, where it talks about like husbands and wives and fathers, mothers and their children and slaves and masters and gets into some crazy ways that the world was changing in the first century because of what Christ has done. That there is this mutual submission to one another. And then even then it goes into the next verse and it's just like, just like that basically, it refers back to the verb in this verse and says, in the same way as wives, wives as to husbands. Okay, that there is this sense of, being submissive to one another. We submit ourselves to each other. We put someone else above ourselves, no matter who we are. And I didn't want to say, especially us men or leaders or people that are put in positions of power, you know, that we would have a posture of submission and humility. And that is a result of being filled with the Spirit. And it is also one of these ways that we can then 
be filled with the Spirit, okay? So all of that, so all of that brings us then back to the chart where, so as you can see, as we do all of that, I think we're filled with the Spirit initially, and then we keep that going by doing that, speaking, singing, giving thanks, submitting. It stirs up the filling, and then it keeps going in our lives. So don't be filled with anything other than the Holy Spirit. To make the most of every opportunity, we have to be wise in the way we use our time. We have to be wise in our understanding of the will of God. And we can't be drunk with wine, but we must be filled with the Spirit of God. We have to make the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. So let's consider our lives and how we can live these things out to make an impact in this world for Jesus Christ. And so what we're going to do, well, what I want to show you too is this, kind of cool, make the most of every opportunity. We've actually made these little cards. And so you can see these little cards and we've got these, uh, they're like four by six, uh, like little photo type print size cards. And what we think this could just be a great thing is these will be, these will be at tables just right outside the doors as you leave today, is to take one of these and to put it in a place that will help remind you to make the most of your time, to make the most of every opportunity. And, uh, you know, maybe so, trying to make it nice, you can put it in a frame or something. If you, you can put it in your car if you want, or put it in your bathroom on the mirror, or you can put it in a frame and put it somewhere nice in your house that you can remember it and that you can see, like, oh yeah, okay, I got to make the most of every opportunity because the days are evil and I got to understand God's will and I got to be filled with the Spirit, okay? Uh, maybe you won't remember that far, but we'll see, okay? So <laughs> we, we want you to be able to remember as much of that, though, as you can to, because we have to do it. We got to make an impact, that people would see Jesus and believe in him. They'd be part of all of this, right? We want to welcome people into the family of God. And so I pray that this, the, the filling of the Holy Spirit will give you the power to do that in your lives. And we're going to transition then now into a time of taking communion. And as we do that, what we're going to do is, uh, you know, as the elements are passed, the bread, the cup, they'll be passed out to you. And you sit and hold on to them as we sing this next song. This next song is called In Christ Alone. And it has deep, rich words that are worthwhile speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. So I want to read the words of this song to you. And then, uh, and then I'll pray and then we're going to sing this song together. In Christ alone, my hope is found. He is my light, my strength, my song. This cornerstone, the thing that holds everything up, right? This cornerstone, this solid ground, firm through the fiercest drought and storm. What heights of love, what depths of peace, when fears are are stilled, when strivings cease. My comforter, my all in all, here in the love of Christ I stand. In Christ alone, who took on flesh, Fullness of God in helpless babe. Fully God, fully man. The God of the universe comes as this vulnerable, precious baby. The God of the universe as a little baby in straw. It's incredible. This gift of love and righteousness. Scorned by the ones he came to save. Till on that cross as Jesus died, the wrath of God was satisfied. For every sin on him was laid. Here in the death of Christ... I live 
The way of life is we identify with his death. And then also, as we'll see in his resurrection, there in the ground his body lay, light of the world by darkness slain. Then bursting forth in glorious day, up from the grave he rose again. And as he stands in victory, sin's curse has lost its grip on me. For I am his and he is mine, bought with the precious blood of Christ. Last one. No guilt in life, no fear in death. This is the power of Christ in me. From life's first cry to final breath, Jesus commands my destiny. No power of hell, no scheme of man can ever pluck me from his hand till he returns or calls me home. Here in the power of Christ, I will stand. In Christ alone. That's what we do remember as we take communion today, as we participate in the, what's called the Eucharist, which means thanksgiving. We give thanks always in all things for what he's done. We, we take of his body, we eat of it, that he gave his body for us in his death. He shed his blood for us. But we know he did not stay dead, that he came back to life. He burst forth in glorious day. And so that's what we sing. That's what we remember as we take communion here. May those words be rich and, and, and just help to encourage you and to build you up. That you would believe that. That you would see Jesus and believe that he is God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for your great love and the way that you've sent your son Jesus to live on this earth. To live that perfect life. Lord, to die on the cross and take all the sin of the world and your wrath upon himself. Lord, and as he rose again, accomplishing your beautiful kingdom come, as we see life come out of death. And we know that we will one day be resurrected as well. God, I thank you for that. Thank you for the cost of that. May it always affect us deeply, the high cost of grace. In Jesus' name.
Jesus. Jesus took the bread and he broke it and he said this, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took the cup, the third cup of that Passover meal. And after that supper, he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. We're going to pray in a moment. We're going to have some more time of worship through singing, as well as worship through being able to give of our tithes and offerings as we give... Uh, to the Lord in worship. We want that to be out of the attitude of worship. What's cool is we're going to sing some songs that have a little bit of a feel of speaking to one another, of singing with our heart and making melody to the Lord, of giving thanks to God as we sing, as we express. All of these, we're, we're sort of living out and acting out here, which I like to call, it's sort of like church, is sort of like practice before we enter the game of the rest of the week of our lives. So we we do this here together in this safety and security and that we have in this place. So let's live it out boldly now so we can live it out boldly as we go. So let's sing and worship to our God. Lord God, again, we thank you for what you have done for us. Lord, thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And Lord, may we all be filled with your Spirit's power. May you stir that up in us, God, through your spirit. And Lord, then may we see the outcome of it. May we see the fruit of the spirit in our lives. May we see our lives reflecting this, speaking good words to one another. Lord, singing with our heart to you, giving thanks to you for everything, God, and submitting to one another. We pray for that work in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.